Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Wherever you are, whatever state of life God has you in, you can do something from where you are. Everybody say amen. Say it like you mean it. You can do something from where you are. You can do something with what you know. You can do something right now. with If you know Jesus, you are, you are enough in him to be doing something for the Lord. Be praying about what that is. So many believers are like, oh, I can't. Eventually I will. After I go to school, after this, after that, then you die. And you ain't did nothing. Don't let that be you. Amen? Don't wait to partner with the Lord with the things that He desires to do. Sometimes it can be easy to put off the things that God's calling you to. But Pastor Bill encourages you within today's message to lean in and listen to the Lord. God will equip you and empower you for all that you need in Him. You don't need to worry about not being the right person for the job. Pastor Bill reminds you that whom God calls, He will equip. Stay faithful in surrendering your will to the Lord. Be obedient to His voice. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Intro. I'm going to give an introduction to the book of Colossians, and then I want to jump right in. So this book is written by the Apostle Paul. We know that because it says it right in verse 1-1, Paul, the Apostle. So we know who wrote it. It's written to the saints in the area called Colossae. It was located in Fergia, which is modern-day Turkey. The church in Colossae was not started by the Apostle Paul. It was started by one of Paul's co-laborers, a man named Epaphras. But like many of these letters, you know, Paul would hear of, sometimes Paul would hear of, you know, false doctrine, false teaching, uh, something that was going on in the church. This one is unique, right? Paul actually hears that they're doing well. So there's part of this letter is Paul encouraging believers that are, they're actually doing well. But there's also Paul's awareness that, hey, there's some people that are trying to come in with some other doctrines. The, the area of Colossae was immersed in a lot of false beliefs. And so Paul also wanted to prepare them for that, that they wouldn't get bamboozled into some false teachings. And so these are some of the reasons why Paul wrote this. Paul wrote this letter from prison. So Paul wrote many of his letters. This was one of his Roman imprisonments. Many believe he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon while in this imprisonment in Rome. And I just want you to think about that for a minute, that I was telling this to my daughter, that Paul was more effective in prison than some of the believers that were free were, right? Like while some people were free and could do anything they want, they weren't doing nothing, Paul's in prison like, man, I can't go preach. I can't, I'm going to write some letters. I'm going I'm, I'm to still tear it up with the pen. And Paul was still doing a great work. Can you be encouraged that wherever you are, whatever state of life God has you in, you can do something from where you are? Everybody say amen. Say it like you mean it. You can do something from where you are. You can do something with what you know. You can do something right now. with If you know Jesus, you are, you are enough in him to be doing something for the Lord. Be praying about what that is. So many believers are like, oh, I can't. Eventually I will. After I go to school, after this, after that, then you die and you ain't did nothing. Don't let that be you. Amen. All right. Paul was getting down from prison. The letter was delivered, right? Because Paul's in prison. He wrote it, but it was delivered by one of the believers, a man named Tychicus. He delivered both this letter to the Colossians, also the letter to the Ephesians. And again, this speaks to me about the fact that everybody has a part, right? Tychicus wasn't writing letters. He wasn't starting churches. But Tychicus was like, hey, I'm, a, I'm free, Paul. 
So he was willing to go get these letters that Paul was writing. So he was visiting Paul in prison and he was carrying these letters to the churches. He was someone Paul could trust with something that important. And so maybe you're not the preacher. Maybe you're not the spokesman. Maybe you're not that part. But what is your part, right? Maybe you're a tight cheekist. Maybe you're going to carry it to somebody else. These things all encourage me that everybody has a part to play. We don't all play the same part, but everybody can be doing something for the Lord. I thought about this. Where would Domino's Pizza be without the delivery men, right? They would be nowhere because most of y'all don't go stand in line at Domino's. Maybe some of you do, but I think Domino's makes most of their money bringing it to your house, right? They would be nowhere without the drivers. They need the delivery person. And so too many times with the work that God is doing, you know, there's somebody's got to do the work. Somebody's got to deliver it. Somebody's got to get it to where uh, it's going to be received. And so Tychicus did this part. If Philemon, uh, the letter to Philemon, some of the same characters mentioned in the letter to the Colossians is mentioned in the letter to Philemon. And so many believe that Philemon was actually a member of the church in Colossae. So here's the purpose for the book. Why did Paul write it? Paul wrote Colossians from jail to deal with some heresies that were circulating among some of the churches. One false teaching in particular was about the uniqueness of the deity of Christ. So the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus is God is always under attack. And so Paul was writing to, to firm up this group, make sure they understood beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus is God. Don't fudge on that conviction, that belief. There was also some blending, right? There were some Jewish and Greek ideas, whatever kind of mishmashing culture with Christianity and we have the same thing today where people will try to take Christianity and make it their own. They're like, you know what? I believe in God. I got my own kind of spirituality. I'm, I'm me and the big man upstairs is good. And they'll come up with some version of God. that's not really biblical, right? The God I believe in, people will say he's OK with X, Y and Z. Right. The God I believe in, the God I know is all right with this, that, the other. If the God, you know, is not the God of the Bible, he ain't the God at all. Amen. So Paul is clarifying that for them, making sure he said, hey, there's a lot of this is going on in that culture. A lot of mysticism, some early Gnosticism was happening. And Paul was like, let me lay it out for you guys. I want y'all to be firm in the faith, much in the same way, parents, as you might prepare your kids. Maybe your kids are getting ready to go away. They're getting ready to go to school. And you're like, man, I know when you get there, there's going to be this and that and the other thing. And if you're a good parent, you're going to give a pep talk to your kids, right? You're going to prepare them. If you're a father and you got daughters, you tell your daughters how dirty men are. Amen. You tell them that they don't, they only want one thing. You got, you got to tell them, right? Cause they don't know. They're like, he's so nice to me, dad. He, he bought me a sandwich. You know, you got to school him. We got to tell him Paul is spiritually speaking. He's doing this for the church. He's saying, look, I want to prepare you guys. There's some bad things out there. And if you get wrapped up in them, it'll really affect negatively the relationship with Christ. I see that you have. So he does these things in love. The warnings are in love. The teaching even is done in love because of love. Paul would counter these teachers with a stern argument for the deity of Christ. And like chapter one, verse 15, he said he's the image of the invisible God who was responsible for creation. He's the head of the church. He's the king of everything. So a lot of Paul's letter is to firm up this group and to protect them from some of these false teachings. Paul calls for a rejection of any other kind of knowledge. And then there's a real practical aspect to this book. Later in the book, Paul lays into, after we got the, the doctrine down and we know what we believe, why we believe it, then Paul gets into 
how we should be living in light of these doctrines. He deals with Christian living and marriage and, and many practical aspects of the Christian life. So my prayer for us is as we go through this book, my prayer is that we would grow deeper in our knowledge of Christ and that that would result in deeper devotion to Christ with our lives. And so with that, everybody look at chapter one, verse one of Colossians as we get ready to jump in. It says now chapter one, verse one, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brethren to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. So Paul, the apostle is, is we're, we're told here, this is who wrote the book. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What did it mean? Why was it a big deal that Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ? The word apostle means a sent out one. Paul was literally sent out by Jesus with the message of the gospel. So at this time, Paul was able to speak with apostolic authority. That meant this, Paul had received the gospel message directly from Jesus. So you could trust him. He had received it straight from God and was delivering it straight to the church. And so Paul said, look, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Underline that phrase, by the will of God. Paul didn't choose to be an apostle. Who chose for Paul to be an apostle? The will of God. God did. Right. And in, in the same way, you guys, there's something God has called you to be and me to be by the will of God. There's something that God's called you and me to do by the will of God. And so I think it's important that we be able to look at our lives and say, I am Bill Buffington, such and such by the will of God. What you don't want to be is looking at your life saying that it's it's out of the will of God. I'm, I'm this because this is what I want to be. I just I chose to do. You want to be and do Whatever it is that you be and do by the will of God. So Paul says, look, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And he says, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy's not an apostle. He's not, I don't think he's a pastor yet, but he was kind of Paul's protege. Paul loved Timothy. He was raising Timothy up. He was pouring into him. He would later write two letters to this young man to encourage him in the ministry. And something Paul said about Timothy in the book of Philippians, if you're a note taker, write this down. Philippians 2, 19 through 22, this is what Paul says about this young man. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know of your state, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And so Paul says, Timothy is just like a son to me. He serves with me in the gospel. And Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy. Paul knew that if he sent Timothy, it was like sending an extension of himself, right? Some of you guys, maybe your marriages are that way. If, like if I can't be somewhere, I got people in my family that are like an extension of me. If I can't be there, but my wife can be there, it's like I'm there because she's going to see what I would see. And when my, my kids were younger, and my wife would leave, you know, my wife kind of has things dialed in at home a certain kind of way. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I do whatever I want to do at the house. When my wife would go away for a retreat, I break all the rules. I do, I would just, it would be bananas at the house. And so Harmony, I, I've, been, I've called Harmony Little Mika since she was a little girl because Harmony would, she, if, if I didn't know where something was or what, where something mom, she would know everything that my wife would. And, and she would even say the same stuff. I'd be driving in the car. Dad, click it or ticket. 
I'm like, that's 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 like my wife is here. I'm like, she's not even here. Let me let me drive without a seatbelt on right now, you know. But she would just be like there, like a little little, little mama, you know, like dad seatbelt, clicking her ticket, you know, probably gonna tell on me and stuff. So you know, <laughs> Paul says about Timothy, I got nobody else like him. Represents my heart as he goes out. So Paul's writing this letter. He's in prison. He said, look, Timothy's with me in heart. He's mentioned here with Paul. The letter is written, the latter part of verse two now, it says to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. I want you to note that this isn't written to non-believers. This letter is written to the saints. For y'all that don't know, the saints are not at the Catholic church, you know, up on the walls, up in the steeples. Who are the saints? Y'all are. Amen. Everybody here, if you're born again, you're a saint. It's been said you either a saint or a what? Or ain't, right? Take the S off. So um, saints are believers. So y'all could go around calling each other saint this, you know, saint, that's saint Anthony. Um, you know, you, you can say that it's okay, you know, but this letter is written to the saints, to the believers. And it says the faithful brethren in Christ who were in Colossae. So interesting about this area, Colossae, is it was kind of a, a area that used to be booming. But at the time this letter was written, it had just diminish. It was a very unimportant area. I was insignificant. Some people wonder why is Paul even writing to this area? It's not a significant area. It's nothing really special about Colossae, but you know what was special in Colossae? That God had some people there, right? And to God, you don't have to be a big deal in the world's eyes. God's people are always a big deal to him. And you know that? So wherever God's people are, they could be on a corner in the cut, in the hood, in the bottom of the barrel. But if they're God's people, they're valuable and they're important. Y'all know that? So be careful how we treat people. Be careful if God has blessed you. Maybe you have. Be careful how you treat those that don't have what you have or those that are their social status or class may be different than yours. Be careful how we treat people. These people were special and important to the Lord. God didn't care about your social status. Y'all know that? He cares about your spiritual status, and that's all that matters. I think of the story of the rich man and Lazarus and just how these men lives on earth couldn't have been any more different, but their lives in eternity couldn't have been any more different either. And so he said to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who were in Colossae, and Paul opens with his common standard greeting, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I shared this definition of grace as we opened up uh, the second John this, this past Wednesday night, but I love it. Here's the definition for grace, uh, a favor done without expectation of return, absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God to men, finding its only motive in the bounty and free heartedness of the giver, unearned and unmerited favor. God's grace upon you, he says. Haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. God just favored you because God is good. The unmerited, unearned favor of God upon your life. He says grace to you. And then he says peace. And that word peace here is in contrast with strife. It's a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. And it's been rightly said that you'll, you'll never really have the peace of God till you understand the grace of God. Right. When you understand that God loves you for nothing. When you understand that even though you're bad, God cares about you. When you understand that even though you haven't performed well, God's grace says that God's been good to you even though, even still, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor from God. 
then you can have peace. You can have the peace of God because if, if my status, if my peace with God was based on my performance, how many of you guys would say your spiritual performance is up and down? Raise your hand. Be honest. All right. So then your peace would be up and down because it's based on how you're doing. So if you're doing really good today, I got up early. I did devotions. I prayed. I didn't fight on the way to church. I'm here Whew, I'm, today. I, I got peace. Right. Then when you leave and somebody cuts you off and your finger does that thing, it does. And all everything goes wrong. And it's like, oh, man, <laughs> the peace gone. You know, it can just come and go get ebb and flow. I know y'all don't do that. Not at this church. But, you know, I've seen some of y'all elsewhere, you know, so the mother churches. But we want to be careful. Right. Our peace is connected to the grace of God. Unmerited, undeserved. God's goodness puts me at peace. Um, it doesn't free me to live reckless. It actually causes me to want to worship and obey. Right. And so um, grace to you and peace from God, the father and our Lord Jesus Christ. These gifts of grace and peace come from God where they're not manufactured. Man can't give them. These are given to us by God, undeserved, unmerited. Now, as we begin, verse three, Paul jumps right into a prayer. And I'm going to say this about prayer. We normally think to pray for those that are doing bad. Right. If you, if you say, hey, we're going to have a time of prayer, we're going to be praying. And usually we are praying for the sick, the hurt, our unbelieving friends, people we wish would get saved, people we wish would knock it off and get off drugs and stay married and X, Y, and Z. Those are the, those are the top, like, man, I'm praying for those things. But you know what gets missed often? We forget to pray for those that are doing well. We forget to pray for those that are, they're actually in the fight. They're doing well with the Lord. They're thriving. Sometimes we look at those people and we think, oh, they're good. And maybe we need to reconsider. I'm not saying that we don't pray for the other folks. They need it too. So don't take them off the prayer list. But I'm saying maybe we need to consider those that are serving the Lord. Those that you know that, hey, they're walking strong. When we consider doing well with the Lord, that you pray for those people too. Because the attack that they're going to be under, Right. It's those that are serving the Lord fruitfully. It's those, those that are that are doing well with the Lord. They're going to come under a different type of attack from the enemy. And so Paul here is going to a pretty lengthy prayer for them. And again, this isn't a church. This isn't this isn't Corinthians. This isn't a church that's wilding out and, and going crazy. You know, this is a group that's doing well. And Paul's like, man, I got to I'm going to open up. Just I'm going to pray for you guys. And let's look at what he prays for this church. It'll teach us. How to pray. And I would I would encourage you guys that we would pray. This this could be a model for how we pray for Christian servants, how you pray for your kids, how you pray for your loved ones, those that are those that are walking with and serving the Lord. Remember to pray for them. Look at verse three. Now it says we give thanks to God, the father and our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So Paul opens up, but we give thanks. I got to keep telling you this. Where is Paul at? Paul is in prison writing a letter to some free Christians. And the first thing he wants to tell them is, man, I give thanks for you guys. I want you to think about if you was in prison for preaching the gospel and you wrote a letter to the church that was free. How many of y'all would be like, it's so messed up in here. You guys are so lucky you're free. Paul is not thinking about himself. Paul is like, you know what? I thank God for you guys. I praise God for how you're doing. I'm hearing about how you're doing. Even though I'm locked up, it blesses me to hear how you're doing. We give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you guys, always praying, always for you guys. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all 
the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Paul says, look, since, since the time we heard about you guys, and remember Paul's co-laborer, Epaphras, is the one that established the work here. And when Paul heard that there were believers here, he said, man, I've been praying for you guys since I heard about you. And again, I, I just, as I read this, I'm trying to, I want to, I want the word to be made practical. When you guys hear about believers, you hear about someone getting saved, you hear about a, a group of Christians, do you just kind of hear about it and just keep it moving? Or do you, do you say, man, I need to pray for them. I'm going to encourage us as we read this letter of Colossians that we're, what we're learning, what we're taking in here, that as we become aware of, Hey, there's some believers over there doing this, that we would pray for them. We would say, God, I want to lift them up to you. They need prayer. I'm going to pray that you bless that ministry. I'm going to pray that you would cause them to be fruitful and effective in what they're doing. So Paul says, man, I'm, I'm praying for you guys. Ever since I heard about you and your faith in Christ, I've been praying for you. He's heard about their faith in Christ and their love for all the saints. Here's important here, right? They have a great testimony. Paul didn't say, man, I heard about all the, the you know, with, with, with the Corinthian church, Paul said he was hearing about all the mess that they had going on. He was hearing about sexual sin and selfishness and misuse of gifts. Paul says, you guys, I've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and how you guys are loving the saints. Again, that's the kind of Christian that we want to be. We want to be the kind of believer that, you know, that would be your testimony, that, that you love the Lord. You got faith in God and you love the saints. And I think we should be concerned as believers for what's our testimony among the saints and what is our testimony among those that are outside? If people that work with you were called in and say, hey, tell me about her. Tell me about him. What would they testify about you? I'm not saying the people that would lie and make up some stuff that's not true. I'm saying the people that would be just going to give us the truth. What would people have to say? about you. What's your testimony among those in the church, those outside the church? Be concerned for that, you know, live in such a way that I would like that to be my testimony, that I got faith in Jesus and that I love the church. I love the saints. I want to say this, right? We're living right now. Would you guys agree we're living at a very tumultuous time in history? Division all over the place. If you guys are on social media, everybody's tearing, everybody's telling their opinions and fighting with people that don't agree with their opinions. And, and it's, it's yik, yak, yak. Now, here's the sad thing. There are Christians that are doing that, right? There are Christians right now. If you're a non-believer, you're watching some of your Christian friends and they're like, wow, they really hate those Christians over there. They really can't stand Christians that don't agree with them on this thing because that's all that's going forth. Be careful about that. That's your testimony to the world. That's what you're displaying before the church and before the world. Paul says, what I heard about you guys, your faith in Jesus and how you love the church. Be careful about saying something, posting something, believing something and living in a way that doesn't love God's church. Because guess what? Even when the church is doing something I don't agree with, whose church are they? They're still God's church and he still loves them. I, I need to be careful how I talk. I need to be careful what I say. I need to be careful the spin I put on things. Um, are there Christians that I disagree with? For sure. They disagree with me too, right? Absolutely. There are some Christians I'm like, I don't agree with that. But they're still going to heaven. And I'm going to be careful how I put my mouth on that. I'm going to be careful about what I say in public about that. I'd rather a private conversation with some people than to blast them in public. Again, when I think of my social media, I think of, I got a bunch of Christian friends and I got a bunch of non-believing friends. What do I want to display to the people that don't know Christ? 
The, what I don't want to display is how I'm beefing with some part of the church. Be careful that we're living in a climate that is very, everybody's feeling free about doing that. Be careful that you don't waste your witness fighting with saints. Amen? Because you're going to see people do it. Just be careful that you don't get pulled into it. You've been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Colossians. This book is a letter penned by the Apostle Paul. We find him sitting in a Roman prison where he just received news that the church in Colossae was being infiltrated with false teaching that went against the very nature of Jesus. How dangerous would it be to start believing that Jesus wasn't who he said he was and is? This was why Paul confronted this issue and reminded the Colossian church that God's sufficient for all we need. When we think we can't go on, He gives us endurance. When you feel like you've messed up one too many times, He takes it away by His blood. When you're in doubt, He gives you peace. If you've ever felt these ways before, there's hope in Jesus, friends. And the more you dive into His Word, you'll find this to be true. In fact, if you visit our website, calvaryinglewood.org, we have a daily Bible reading plan just for you. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you've got any questions or simply need someone to talk to, we're waiting. Just call 310-245-4811. Our prayer is that as you walk through life, you have a deep personal relationship with Jesus. So commit this number to your memory, 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood out of Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today. This has been A Transforming Word.